Uh, greetings program. Hello and welcome to Tronologically Speaking, a movie by minute podcast talking about Disney's 1982 movie Tron. I'm your host, Duncan Shields, and returning with me today is my nimble, dexterous, and bona fide guest co-host, Curtis Blows. Welcome, Curtis. Hey, everybody. How are you doing today? Oh, it's been pretty good. Are you doing well? It's been really good. Uh, it's been uh, it's been fun since I saw you last. Oh, man. This last two days, waiting to come back on has just been tremendous. I wouldn't <laughs> believe all of the things that have happened. The things that have been waiting to talk about? Excellent. They shut down all the businesses. Did you know that? Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. That was... Uh, <laughs> what a year this two days has been. What a year this two days has been. That is uh, that is true. Uh, so it's what day now? Friday? It's is that Friday. How? This is Friday, yeah. Today is uh. Friday. TGIF. Although, really, honestly, every day is Friday right now. Let's see here. Okay, what happens in this minute? Flynn finishes kissing Yori and jumps into the MCP turning the MCP blue and somehow shutting him down. Uh, I do like this scene of Flynn and Yori gazing at each other. Like I'm, I was a little, you know, like we talked about him a little iffy on the kiss itself where I was until you're sort of fleshing out of the possible motivations behind it. But I do that the, the cinematic quality of the look of it, of Flynn and Yori gazing at each other as this like, the open nuclear reactor of the MCP pulses and flanges and strobes in the background, like blurring their profiles with all their bloom, with all that bloom on it. It's like they're standing in front of a, an electrical generator for a city or something, or the, or the core of a starship engine or something like while they're kissing. Like it's, I guess it also kind of feels like the feeling of a really good kiss with someone that you're deeply into, you know, like regardless of its non sequitur <laughs> nature, in my opinion, I do like the, the feel of it with the swelling music and the light show and, and the actors seem to really be sort of fit, feeling the moment too. Like, I know they're just, they're just actors, but it does seem like a, like a, it's just, a, it's a really cinematically speaking. This is one of those scenes that you'd use in a montage of like here's the great movies of the 80s you'd you'd show this uh this kiss with other great kisses of the 80s you know so i think it's oh a, yeah it's a beautiful it's a beautiful looking shot like cinematically speaking it's definitely one of the most impressive flynn says uh don't worry and steps back from yori as yori's eyes widen wondering what the heck he's about to do and then flynn takes a running jump off the bridge of the carrier into the main beam of the MCP with a little flourish from the soundtrack. And then just as he jumps into the red beam, it turns purple. Uh, I guess because I guess because red and blue make purple. I guess that's the, (laughs) that's the, that's the, that's the origin of purple there. It's a pretty courageous move. Even if I still have no idea how he has come to the conclusion that this will, that this will work. I mean, He's been pretty reckless so far, but this is definitely the most reckless he's been. Like sticking his arm into the power surge and diverting it, the solar sailor. That was like, dude, what are you doing? You know, like this whole thing there was like energy can only be diverted, not destroyed. I'm like, yeah, but I could divert energy through me and it would I would be burned to a crisp. Like that's your logic is sound, but you're uh, you're you're really being pretty reckless and this just jumping straight into the MCP. I'm not sure how he's uh, come to the conclusion that that'll, that that'll work. I've always wondered that too. I, it's a heck of a roll of the at dice. At some point, you know, you know, okay. So he knows he's a user. Yeah. 
But how would he know what his what his parameters are in this world? Yeah, he... like so far he seems to be immortal. Like so far nothing seems to. I almost think that he can't be derezzed at this point. I think the answer might be this. I think they don't do a very good job of showing it in the movie, and I think that's kind of I think that's kind of this movie's problem. Why it why it didn't make money, why it didn't resonate, why it's only just us cultists here 30 years out. There's a few factors that go into it, but def- I think what you're about to talk about is definitely part of it, yeah. There is a thing that exists here where there's a it's like there's a missing scene where Flynn learns that he is Superman in this world. Exactly. He is able he's able to recode the world just like Neo is. Yeah. He's able to write his own program to do whatever he wants. Yeah. I want to divert this energy symbolically he holds out his arms and everything but what he's doing is he's recoding it so that he can re reroute this energy yeah he's giving himself his powers as needed as he goes because yeah. he's a programmer yeah yeah and they don't and they don't do that in the movie which would have just made everything else a lot easier to understand you're so right yeah you're definitely right no, I really feel that. I feel like that's like that's that's the power that he has. He is a programmer inside the the grid or the matrix. So he is basically his he's like Green Lantern basically. He he can create whatever he can imagine as long as he can right. program it, you know. So that's uh and that's a pretty big deal. And it's too bad because you know, they kind of they kind of held back and made a movie for little kids with just some action adventure stuff. Yeah. But they could have and they and they went a lot further in this with legacy. Yeah. Where they showed that, oh yeah, you can affect you can affect the grid, the matrix, the what are we calling it officially? The grid. The grid? Are we calling it the grid in Tron too? Yeah. No, in the in, in, okay. the, in the yeah, well yeah, it's the grid in Tron. Is it the grid somewhere else? Oh, I was thinking legacy. I didn't know if it was the grid in Tron. Yeah, it's the grid in both. Yeah, it's the grid in both. Okay. So, you can you can reprogram yourself and you can reprogram the grid if you are a user. Yeah. I'm not sure how, but. Well, that's you, the thing. Like I get, I get to, the, you get to be Superman if you're in here and a user. Yeah. You can say right now, gravity doesn't apply to me because I have this program. This don't. Well, and that's one of the things that like, like in the cartoon, there's this, character called dyson and he's like a security program and he has all these cheats and hacks where he can see he can he can look at the ground and see footprints of where people were before and where they have gone you know and he can i know i might be i might be one of the seven people that made it all the way to the third episode of that so (laughs) i know that character yeah right so um there are there are aspects of like if you're a programmer then you could be able to make yourself shape change you could be able to make give yourself disguises like the spy and team fortress 2 you could be able to get make yourself teleport uh you could do all kinds of uh all kinds of different things like you said uh-huh. you basically just, be a, a, a superhero like a superman or something and it was probably just as you talked about in the last minute them not that is the filmmakers not having enough resources to really go as far as maybe they wanted to. Well, it's also, it comes like, that's why the matrix two and three kind of fall short because if you end 
with Neo getting godlike powers, then everything's cool. But right. then when you see him use godlike powers in the sequels, uh, the rules are kind of out the window. The rules are like, okay, well now what is he capable of? And all of the fight right. scenes in the sequels lack any kind of tension because he can't be killed. There's, they, so there's that no scene... way. But, but, but there's still that, like, that scene in the first movie when he opens the apartment door and there's a smith there and he empties a clip into, uh, into Neo's chest. I watch that movie still and go, oh, no. <laughs> you know, like, right? and, I, and, and, I, and, I, and I know I've seen the movie like 10 times, but I'm still like, oh, geez. And, uh, and that's a sign of a good film, but because there's something that hangs in the balance. So if you make Flynn a god, then where do you go from there? Like it better be at this moment because he jumps into the right, MCP exactly. with the power of a god and that's it. But then what do you do with him in Legacy? Because you can't put him in a prison, you know? There would have been a scene where Tron is down and all hope is lost. Flynn and Laura are on the bridge watching this. And they're having this oh no moment. Oh, you know, we're yeah. done for. The the only guy capable of doing anything here is down and nothing will save us. And yeah. then Flynn, I don't know how this would work out, but he would have these thoughts. He'd flash back to the tank. He'd flash back to some other various things. He, and he yeah, would realize. And then to, we to would realize. The energy beam, yeah. Right. And then we would realize he understands that he has these powers at this point. He's like, wait a minute. Yeah. And that's when and that's when he makes the decision to jump into this thing. Yeah. Yeah, and that would work. It's not an act of Yeah. Cuz and, and it goes yeah. from being an act of God, I hope this works yeah. to <laughs> Yeah, this almost makes it into an act of sacrifice. Pot like a possible act of sacrifice. He's like this might kill me. He's jumping into the volcano here. You know, like he's like, this right. might, this might kill me. This is a, this is a Hail Mary. This is like, this is like the Hail Mary I was talking about that's missing from the fight with Tron and Sark. You know, yep. it's not like, you know, Tron tries and fails, tries and fails again, but then tries something bizarre that works. And, uh, right. you know, this last gasp of his dying breath pow oh my gosh that's the shot that lands and uh but that's kind of what this is this is like him this, jump him yeah, jumping into been... the volcano was like this like what are you doing but against all odds it works which is a cool which is a cool finish and a and a, and a you know a trope but this is still yeah it just seems like he's just being reckless he's just like flynn and and i have to just say going meta here i'm glad that you described what Jeff was doing as against all odds. Oh yeah, there you go. What a yay! That gets some applause. Nice work. Good, good picking <laughs> that one out. Yeah, yeah, that was an interesting. Uh, I want to watch that film. I've come across that in the research with this one, and I don't think I ever saw it. But uh, I saw oh, okay. The... So I have, I have some warnings for you. Okay. If you saw it, well, okay. So here, I'm just going to share my pain. I loved it back in the day. Oh, okay. I was starting to get, I, I really like, I, I gained an intense love for gritty, uh, noir films back when I was about 12. Okay. I started watching them all, everything I could get my hands on. Yeah. And I loved it back then. And I watched it here in the last couple of months with my wife for the first time. Yeah. Ugh, Does not age well, eh? 
no. There's got to be. I it's wish definitely. It's definitely like an episode of Magnum. You know how the uh, the like a lot of other languages have a specific word for a specific feeling, like the 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 Germans with their Schadenfreude, and uh, or if that's how you sure. pronounce it, or, or or different ones of like remembering a place, getting nostalgic for a place that you've never been. I think is a is a word in in this in, uh, in right, Japanese right. or something like that. But there needs to be a specific term for watching a movie you loved as a kid and you know once you know not seeing it since the 80s but watching it again as an adult and going oh ah this is awful <laughs> this is really bad this is not aged well because I, I felt that way about weird science i watched weird science recently and i was like oh boy oh man oh yeah weird science has a little bit of that this is a different movie you know against the odds that's that's really a a case study in the power of having a great theme song. Yeah, that's a killer that theme video. Song. Yeah. <laughs> the video for that song just being played over and over again made that movie great and it had no good reason to. <laughs> yeah, that movie really uh, that song really <laughs> sold the movie and they sort of they tried to do that with Tron. That's why they wanted Journey for the soundtrack because the uh oh, yeah. they really wanted to like, you know, we had Journey. Oh my gosh, Journey, the Journey. Like we got to get a Journey song and then Tron's going to be huge and then we can make just as money off much money off the soundtrack and but it uh but yeah, it really it clashed with everybody's idea of what the film was about. They're like Journey? Sure. What? And then so like yeah, it just it really didn't it didn't come together and I think Wendy Carlos was like, "But I thought I was doing the soundtrack and that doesn't jibe with what I'm doing. And, and yeah, even like the art director was like, where are we going to put a journey song? What are you talking about? <laughs> you know, like, so it all, <laughs> so they ended up putting one song on the credits and one song in the arcade. And they're, neither of them are, 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 are great journey songs. They're kind of okay. But, but isn't anyway. it amazing that that question was answered? They actually got it right in legacy. Not that they actually got it right. Oh, they got it. No, they got song, it. Well, which song are you talking about? Well, whatever journey song it is, it starts playing. Oh yeah, the, I think in in Legacy when they fire up the arcade, and yep. there's a the journey song that starts playing. I think it's like a, an actual popular banger journey track. I don't think it's the uh, right. it's the song from the from the soundtrack of this movie, which I I right. I'm gonna have to do. I'm not sure if I'm right on that, but I think they've got a a really really good journey song of which there are quite a few. Uh, that comes blasting out of the speakers when uh, when young Sam Flynn turns on the arcade yep. uh, fuse box or whatever. It's that song goes yeah 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 whatever that one is. Yeah, I forget that one, but it's a such a good song. Journey did some great tunes, so it's a shame that it didn't work out with this because that would have been cool. To have a really sweet, a really similar scene, a similar scene, and it's done in almost the same way. The Journey song is playing when Laura and uh, 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 Alan enter the enter Flynn's. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's the Journey song that's playing in Flynn's. So that's why I say, you know, like I was hard on Legacy. I watched it again recently, and I was like, oh, you know what? I was too hard on this film because all these Easter eggs and callbacks. It's it's, it's definitely, I loved it from day one. I didn't care what anyone thought. <laughs> I thought they really nailed the look and the the look and the music, which is no small feat. But I thought they kind of fell short on the script. But then after doing a deep dive on this one, I'm like, well, it's not like this one is Shakespeare, you know, like this this one <laughs> exactly. 
this one has its flaws too. So I see them both as kind of on equal footing now, you know, and they're both really beautiful. So, well, it doesn't hurt that on the night it came out, I went to see it in a, in a theater that had a great selection of scotch and cappuccinos. Nice. Nice. And we were almost alone. Just me and my stepson. Beautiful. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, that's a fantastic way to see it. That would have been fantastic. Yeah, nice. Yeah. It was and and I loved it and I was confused that it didn't hit. Because then the animation came out and I'm like, "Oh, we're going somewhere. We're yeah. getting a Tron, we're getting a legacy sequel." And well, then it, I mean, my it, actual son yeah. loved it, watched it over and over and over and over and over again a 100 times. Yeah. And eh, it just was not to me. Maybe to maybe one day, I don't know, but I still hope about so. the third about the third episode of the animated Tron show. I was like, oh yeah, there's really no place to take this. I watched them all. They do some real. I would recommend watching the whole uh, the whole series if you can somehow find the time. I'll give it a shot because they go for they go to some really interesting places. Uh, that's one that's one cool thing about doing it episodic like that is they can explore a concept for one episode, right? Yeah. So it's uh, this going some, to one kind of character. Yeah, there's some neat stuff that happens. And uh, I'd like to see them do more of that. Maybe not more of that specific cartoon, and maybe not a sequel to the to, to Legacy, but just something in that Tron world. I'm really jonesing for more of it. I'm really, really jonesing for more of it. So I hope the mo- I hope they the get movie it. I really want to see is the one where Flynn's son and the computer program that comes out of the program just like have their life together. Oh, really? Maybe just like a, a romantic comedy. You want you want to see that because that's kids. that was the that's the. Um, I just want to see. I just want to see the on golden pond. That would be that movie. <laughs> that's the whole. Well, except that she would never age. Well, he'd be, yeah, he, he'd be ninety five <laughs> and she'd still be twenty five, and it'd be like a Highlander. But they'd thing. have like this. <laughs> they'd have like this spicy relationship where they're just always one lining each other. <laughs> have have a warm, happy ending. <laughs> yeah! 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 little nicknames for each other he that dies would, and then she goes back to the grid that's uh that's something that uh oh but with like a digitized version of him she recorded him and brings him back so there's sort of a happy ending there at least yep they end up in the grid together oh geez i want to see right? that movie i want to see think? that movie now too i was kind of down on that i, I don't want to was... see like a big action adventure fighty movie where the mcp comes back and they have to defeat I just want to see that nice movie. I just want to see the on Golden Pond version. Well, that was kind of the concept for uh, for Tron Three. Was uh, it was about <laughs> it was about Korra finding out what it means to be human in the real world. Sure. So like getting that tripped up by by rainstorms or something like that. But I don't know. I just hope we get more <laughs> of it. More of it. More Tron, please. Is that's my shirt? More Tron, please. It'd be I... more. Oh, oh, I got it. The the tone would be like, and, and then we can get back to the minute. The tone would be like. Um, in in Blade Runner, twenty forty nine, the relationship that um dude is having with his like pretend girl, his like pretend hologram girl, what was her name right. again? What's her name? Man, again? I don't. Uh, Joy. Joy, that was it. Yeah, Joy, that was it. Yeah, J O I. 
Anyway, where are we? Anyway, where are we? We got a shot of... Someone's fighting uh, someone somewhere, I know. We got a quick shot. Some kind of battle going on. Yeah, some kind of battle. Something's going on. It's like the climax of the film or something. Uh, We get a a quick shot. We get a quick shot of the small, white, glowing silhouette of Flynn as he floats down the now purple main energy shaft of the MCP, surrounded by a halo of blue light bleeding out of the edge of the MCP as he slowly plunges down. Right out of the end of the spider level of the video game. That's right. That's right. The grid bug, uh, the grid bug level of the, of the video game. We get a shot of Yori standing, her leotard bathed in light against the sort of Mondrian esque, uh, the Mondrian esque minimalist background. And I love the background here. It's like a wireframe schematic abstract rendering of a piano or something. It's like, or like like uh, like one of those old three D films that had to be seen in red and blue to work. You know, like she's yep. sort of like yep. standing like posing in anguish as she watches this guy jump to his apparent death this would make a good uh a good desktop this uh, this shot of her standing there with that background i read in the in the imdb trivia uh, <laughs> i don't know why i didn't come across this before it says that cindy morgan traded her tron yori costume for alexis she managed to get herself Man, a car she, she got ripped off yeah she should have kept it right <laughs> You know, I mean, she could have got a lot more than just a Lexus, I think. Well, maybe, but then you know, it didn't do very well. These days, she could probably get more. Uh, oh yeah, these days, some enthusiastic, uh, rich Tron fan might be like, "Hey, I could give you more what than." What did Alexis. she ever do uh, besides Caddyshack? Did she do stuff? She did. She was in a show with Bruce Boxleitner after this, which was like a, a Indiana Jones attempt at an Indiana Jones television show, <clears throat> but like an Indiana Jones rip and not off. Tales of the Gold Monkey. No, not Tales of the Gold Monkey. This was, oh gosh, I forget. You can look it up. I forget what it was called. But he played a character named named Frank Buck, and uh, and they would go on adventures <laughs> together. Sweet. Yeah, some really classic 80s tv uh with a pretty good theme song but it's a very they did work together after this and she was in a few a few other pieces after this but her experience of being an actor in this industry was pretty rough she had a really bad time on caddyshack and uh and then she got yeah yeah because they wanted her to pose in playboy as publicity as as publicity for the film yeah and she was like no and they were like no well you have to and she's like no i don't and they're like, well, we want you to. And she's like, I'm not doing it. And at the time, she was also an Irish Irish spring soap girl. So her excuse was kind of oh, like, sure. well, I can't do the advertising for that if I'm naked in a magazine. But they were really pushing for it. And she had to actually go to the director and enlist her, enlist her co-star's help in like fighting this. And so they left her off all of the publicity for Caddyshack. She's on none of the posters, and she's not in any of the publicity You're right. for it. And oh then, my god! Uh, I never realized that before. And she didn't work again until a year later, when uh, when they accepted her to work for this. And so I think she had a good experience on this film because she's st- to this day like she's going to all the conventions with Bruce Boxleitner, uh, and you know doing Q and As and posing for pictures, and she's still having a, a great time. And she seems to really enjoy the film and the fans and and all that stuff. So you know, bless her. But uh, she didn't do too much oh. after this, and I, I think. She might have been soured a little bit on the whole experience of Hollywood. Oh, it makes me feel so good that, like, Tron is the thing that kind of 
was good for her. Yeah, and she's on the poster, right? Like she's on the poster for the movie, so she didn't get left out right. of, the, of the publicity for for this film, right? Yeah, I feel it's kind of a redemptive thing. I'm like so glad she got to be in another movie because that that really sounds like her experience on Caddyshack sucked. Well, those National Lampoon things were just so crazy. It was just such a coke. What a different field. Yeah, crazy, crazy. A whole different drug-fueled early 80s experience, you know? I can't imagine anyone ever really fondly remembering it. Yeah, you, you, <laughs> you either would remember it badly or you wouldn't remember it at all. There's no in-between. <laughs> that, that's, that would be it. It's like, uh, well, I, then, I thought yeah. you were great in Caddyshack. I was in Caddyshack? You know, like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So we're going to anyway. start losing those guys pretty soon. We're going to start losing Lori and Bruce. and Yeah, well, that's the nature of we're time. up on that time period, man. We will. Yes, we will. But anyway, we get a shot from inside the MCP's power beam, and we see Flynn floating down the center of it towards the bottom, arms up above his head. He's falling very slowly, which is a very interesting call here. I don't know. Maybe it's just that it's because we cut, we cut to a diagonal Dutch angle shot here from just outside the beam watching Flynn fall diagonally. And he looks kind of like he's sliding, which I guess maybe he was like, I guess this shot was done the way they used to do Superman, right? Like just film the actor lying on a platform and then green screen out the platform and add a background of a, you know, a helicopter shot of a, a city flying by or something. So you'd sort of I'm flying. And so this is kind of a similar uh, a similar shot here. I oh, think. God. The way this movie was made, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they just took a picture of him and took took the gel and cut out yeah. <laughs> cut out him in this pose and then just carefully glued it on to each frame. Yeah. Well, they did that for <laughs> that a they lot. Needed, that yeah. they needed him to be on. <laughs> for a lot of the shots they did do that there's yeah. uh let's see if this shot here and then oh my it back gosh you know the, what film the screen i don't but... think he's moving yeah you might be onto something this might be a cutout <laughs> of jeff bridges uh just uh it, it wouldn't even have to be jeff it could just be a, a cartoon. <laughs> just be, in the in the in the shots where he's smaller you can see that it is literally just a little computer model with no features on it at all <laughs> just like a mannequin but uh, yeah, for the close-up shots, it's it's. I think it's him. I'm eighty percent sure it's actually him, but he might not be moving at all. But speed <laughs> speed lines are coming off of him as he as he keeps getting closer and closer to the nexus of the MCP. Then we get a few more shots of this happening: him sliding, different angles, him getting closer. There's a sound like a sonogram of a heartbeat, almost, and a, a whirring. Like you're maybe inside yeah. the housing of a generator now. You know, like not outside, but inside. There's this reversed symbol the reverse sound of a symbol getting louder that you know that kind of like as he as he yep, disappears yep. into the core and we get a, a shot of him falling down through several halo circles around the forehead of the mcp and then we see his tiny white silhouette fall down behind the mcp's actual face and his face is a mottled pink and white now his face does a take where his eyes close and then widen in surprise. And then his entire face turns blue from the bottom up. Like just fills up blue from the bottom. Then we cut to Sark turning around like, 
what's happening now. And we get a, a shot of Tron gazing in wonder at what's going on. And then the MCP's blue face starts to spin around the pole again, uh, like the guard that was hit in that weird shot near the middle of the movie. And, oh, uh, yeah. It's like Sark holds up his hands to protect himself from the bright light. And it's cool because here you can see that his eyes are just black pits. You know, it's still with all this light on him. His eyes are just black pits. And that's the cool thing about in a movie like this, where you have to mat out the eyes and the teeth and things like that anyway, is that if you want to get a creepy effect like this, you just leave out the eye layer, you know, and then you've got some, <laughs> some dark pits like, uh, like he does here, like zombie, zombie mega Sark has. So Tron continues to gaze, and I imagine this is something that almost all actors in a science fiction fantasy superhero movie have to do. Just stare into nothing or stare at an X in green tape or stare at a tennis ball and be told, okay, now pretend you're looking at the most terrifying thing you've ever seen, you know, or like pretend you're seeing the most beautiful object in the universe or gaze in mystified wonder as the secrets are revealed to you. And I think that's got to be one of the truest tests of an actor, you know, or some <laughs> actors might just have a face that's fascinating to look at, even if they're just raising an eyebrow and we just gift them with a wild inner emotional adventure, but they're just thinking about what they're going to make for dinner later or something. But but that that's what's called for in movies like this is can you look at a blank wall and be amazed you know because that's what you're going to need to do for pretty much 80% of this entire job because that's what that's what everybody had to do in this movie and that just seems so soulless yeah you know i i don't even think they were in it would have been blue screen these days not green right uh, but I don't even no, think they well, were back in a blue then, screen. No, they were they were just in a they were just matting out a black background. They didn't even have uh, blue yeah. screens. This is before blue screens. Yeah, which is why the the light on everyone is so bad. Well, and it's also because you know they couldn't they couldn't reflect any light onto anybody. They no. had to just direct light them all the time. Yeah, they had to direct light them, and they had to get everybody as flat as possible. And any sort of lighting effects that they had were on the characters were added by hand. Uh, in Man. post and so but they had to like the DOP and the lighting guys had a real challenge because they had to light the actors so they were stark and they really stood out but they could get no light on the background well right. there's there's ways to do that there's ways like, there's, there's ways to do that yeah. for sure oh especially as a as a as a photographer you know this but like but on a like that was the challenge right because you've but got to all these that, types to people of, that are moving yeah <laughs> Yeah, to people that, that are That would moving. be crazy. So there's all these types of... The, the the background would just have to be so deep. You'd just have to be in a warehouse. Yeah, which is, I think, what they were what they were mostly did. Or they had a lot of uh, velvet or a lot of special material that would really suck in the light to like this, you know, yeah. to really sort of to do it that way. They were going to try... They tried to felt, do it... Felt light. would be good for that. Yeah, felt, yeah. The original, uh, the original, the original shots were done with a white background. And they were going to try oh. to remove the white background, but then uh, they're, they're kind of they're God, very everything's white though. What's that? Every every highlight would have been removed at that point. Yeah, which is why I think they didn't do it. But also because when they the first few times they tried to do that, they caused blackouts in Burbank because the the, oh, wow. the amount of power that was needed to make a space that big have a bright white background uh, was huh. uh, was was too much power <laughs> so, so they're like okay black background it is and it'll come with its own set of challenges but we can't do white 
Oh, they should have went and talked to Stanley Kubrick, man. He would have told them how to do that. Yeah, he would have told them how to do that, and he would have told them, you know, don't ask for permission, ask for forgiveness, just start. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, so we get a close-up of the spinning blue MCP face, and then it pans down to reveal that the spinning has revealed a gap between the protective square panes of armor surrounding the uh, vertex of the MCP where Tron was told he had to put the disc. Tron throws his disc overhand and very high up for some reason, like he's aiming for Sark's head or something, but the disc flies around with some really nice camera work as it bangs and swoops in, bang into the middle of the MCP's uh, vertex, his neck terminus. The MCP- so, I, so I have a question for you. Yeah. How literally old are you? I am literally... Is that a thing you want to say? Yeah, I'm literally 48. Okay, I am 49. Do you remember? Yeah, I turned 40. I, I turned out? 49 in October, so we're 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 of a of a similar age. Perfect. I I turned 49 in January. There you go. So, do you remember on the playground then? You would have been fourth fourth grade, third yeah. grade, something like that. Yeah. Where we all seemed to simultaneously discover that there was a way to throw a frisbee that could really hurt. Okay. You would, throw, okay. you would throw it like a weapon instead of like you're tossing it to someone. Yeah. Was and it? that way was what Tron does is he has his thumb on the inside. Yeah. And he and he throws it like that. Yeah. And that on the playground was the way that you would you would throw that like you could kill a man throwing a frisbee that way. <laughs> that was the decapitator. Was the yeah, that was the Right. Uh, yeah. And yeah. I don't remember I don't remember the timing, but I think it might have come from this movie. I think, uh, yeah, Frisbee's got because a Because that overhand throw thing is, is what Tron does, and you don't hear about that. You know what I don't remember is I don't remember there being a lot of Tron Frisbees as merchandise from this film. Well, I guess I don't remember a lot of merchandise at all because they didn't go hard on merchandise after it didn't do very well. So I guess that makes sense. Yeah, I don't really remember. I'm sure there were, but I don't remember any action figures, no. nothing. There are some, like, I had the really... I had, like, the read-along book. Yeah, which is fantastic. We got into that <laughs> in the is. last. It is actually minute. very good, isn't it? Yeah, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. I we got into that with a, a previous minute with my friend Sam, and it was fantastic to find that and just be like, oh man, I miss this. I miss this chapter of media when every film yeah, had a had a Disney read along book that came out with different actors and different music <laughs> and just this this wild sum this four page summary of the film like. I love that. Oh, the the thing that was great about this one is that they they actually just used the dialogue. They really just did edit in the movie. Oh, I guess we're thinking about different ones because the one uh, the one I remember seeing had different actors, different voices. Oh, actors. okay. I had like a I had like an LP. <laughs> they oh, probably, you know, they might have it done. might not have been a read along. Mine might have just been the story of Tron. It might have been the story of Tron. I think the one that I'm thinking of had like a at the sound of the bit, turn the page. You know, one of those like the Star Wars read along with, uh, you know, at the oh, sound sure. of and the Raiders and the Raiders. Oh, they did a Raiders one. Oh my God! Oh, I have all of these things. I'll send them to you. Okay, um, cool. They have yeah. The Raiders one is really bad. It's it's like at the sound of when you hear the whip. And then it takes like 20 <laughs> seconds to do a double whip. It's like, whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. <laughs> like just a really long time to screw around and wait for it to turn the page. 
Like you're definitely getting the page turned in time is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I missed those two. Yeah, so that's good. Oh, sound uh, of the bit. Okay. I will. Cool. And then uh, so the MCP's face goes negative and stretches out from the point of impact as the music swells and we see a small CG figure of Flynn start to go up the spout of the MCP's beam, his blue halo following him as the MCP's tube gets skinnier and skinnier and the face gets longer and longer. It's like Finn is being shot out of a water cannon or, or squeezed out of a tube of toothpaste. And we see, can we see Flynn continue up in a shot from inside the MCP? Oh, well, I've got a question for you. Okay. This is this, this is what kind of man you are. When you oh, were playing the, uh, when you're playing the Tron video game, there was a point you call them bit. I, I call them spiders. What do you call them? Grid bugs. Grid bugs. There was the level with the grid bugs where when you beat them and got into the IO tower, you would then be lifted out of the IO tower. And like, I guess that was the last level. I don't know. Yeah. I think that was the last level. And then you'd go through them and it'd be harder. Um, when you were going up, are you the kind of person that spun the dial as hard as you could so his arms would, like, spin wildly? <laughs> or are you the kind of person that spun it slowly so it would make it look like he was swimming? I think uh, I did the spin wildly, I think, because that was like a, celebra- a, a celebratory move. Or I think I did them both. <laughs> I think there was some different, uh, yeah. <laughs> you could always tell. Could always tell. It was always the people that weren't very good at it that spun it wildly. Yeah, I'm not well, you weren't good at it. No, well, I wasn't. So that's a fair. That's a fair. <laughs> I think that's a fair approximation because it had. Uh, anytime you had that, there was one game. I think it was a golf game that had a trackball and the the actual oh, yeah, point. Yeah. The actual point. Are you was talking about like, Golden Tee or the one before? Yeah, that? Golden Tee. Yeah, and then so you. Okay. The point was to spin the trackball as hard as you could for the drive, and uh, right. But other than that. There, you know, like missile command and stuff like that. If there was a trackball or a spinner, if you were spinning it as hard as you could, uh, you were just sort of testing the structural integrity of the of the equipment. You weren't really, uh, <laughs> you're just kind of showing off or or just, yeah, doing a little celebratory thing or something like that. Well, and because it it was so long between the release and when I saw it, um. I expected Flynn at this moment. First of all, I expected all the things in the video game to be there. And I wasn't really disappointed. No. If I remember right. But I expected yeah. Flynn to sort of be swimming up the, the light pole at this oh, point. Oh, okay. Like doing something. like Right. Doing an action. Yeah. Right. I thought, I thought somehow, I don't know. I thought there would be more. So I was always kind of a little disappointed. 11-year-old me was like, hey, he's not moving his arms. Yeah, yeah. Don't they know? <laughs> He's just kind of like drifting, drifting up. All right. Uh, so then, well, then we see the MCP change in one of my favorite shots of the film. This is one of my, I say this like every three minutes, but this is one of my favorite shots in the film. Uh, the comparison to Wizard of Oz has been made a few times over the course of this podcast, and I think I even brought it up earlier. But this is no exception. Like half of the vertical stripes of the MCP go transparent and disappear making it into like a cage of yellow vertical slats. It looks like an upside down circus tent or something like that. And there's an object. Uh-huh. There's an object spinning inside. What is the object that's spinning inside? We cut to the spinning object inside and it's a large stone statue. 
like a sculpture from inside a Indiana Jones cave or an Egyptian tomb. It's got this little face hole where you put your face through when you're getting a like what's when you're getting a massage and you got your that little hole for your face that it goes into or that I've seen in movies or whatever. It's surrounded by all these red, these glowing red Tutankhamun stripes and it's spinning quite fast but it's coming to a to a stop. We can hear some like clickety clacking of a typewriter like an old typewriter or adding machine or ticker tape machine very out of place with the electronic hums we've been hearing so far and then in the face hole of this ancient stone plinth is an old man we haven't seen before now in front of him his hands are sticking out through some little hand holes little t-rex arms he's got sticking out there and this is like a, a primitive stone version of what dumont was housed in when we first met him only this is more angular and made of concrete or granite. And I love the look of it. And I love the insinuation that maybe this was the first guardian or this was part of the first wave of guardians. <gasps> I never thought about that. You know, and we, we see that the, the typing is literally coming from a typewriter that this program is still typing furiously on. And the, the trivia on IMDb listed as using an Oliver typewriter, most likely a Model 3 from 1902 or 1907, the kind you had to really press down on to get results. I'm sure all the secretaries back then had incredible grip strength. But uh, this whole, this character here, yeah, maybe maybe one of the first the first Guardians, you know. And if he's using I a never about he's that. using a typewriter from turn of the century, right? Because I'm like, I know he's an older program, and he started out as a chess program. But would he really be using a typewriter from the turn of the century? Like I just, well, we're we're back into metaphor. We're back into metaphor, right? Like this is this is this is an amazing an amazing shot, and this to me almost asks more questions than the rest of the movie combined. Like we get this fantastic close up of the shot. Sark is reaching up as his power fades and he's still this zombie automaton wondering what's going on. But we get this fantastic shot, close up of the MCP coming to a stop and facing the camera as the music fades and all we can hear loudly anymore is the typing of the typewriter. All the red lines are prisming and we can see this mustachioed bearded face of an older man in the face hole. We get a shot of Tron looking up and squinting, and then we get a final close-up of the MCP as the MCP's old man's face just goes backwards into shadow in the hole. And this is like you were saying, like this is—is is this him dying or is this him just? I always took it to be like he's dying, but you brought this idea up that maybe he's just fleeing. That this is him—he's skipping into some escape route here that we are unaware of this is he's backdooring into the pentagon or something like that and leaving here and going down the pipe into somewhere else but like, i like I to think it's into an, a, a 2600 20 somewhere out there someone yeah will find an old 2600 <laughs> yeah. that's dusty yeah and they'll plug fire it, it in up. and then it'll just be pandelirium yeah it'll be like I have awakened. And you're like, what? What is going on here? What is this? Yeah, this, this genie in an old buried uh, C64 or something. Now, in terms, in terms of The Wizard of Oz, because like, the reason I took it as a death, because this reminds me of how the first witch just curls up under the house without her shoes, or the second oh, yeah. witch just evaporates when she gets soaked with water. Like, the bad guy just fades out. But it also reminded me of, like, the wizard himself. Like, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. You know, that kind of thing. Like he's just, he becomes something that's non-existent. He goes back to the realm of, uh, of ideas. He goes back to 
from whence he came, right? So I don't know if that's uh, that's it. But there's an interesting thing here about, just as an aside, this actor, uh, this actor's name is Jerry Marin. And he was he stood at three foot four. He's three foot four tall, and he was oh. in the he was in the Wizard of Oz. He oh. was uh, he was the Munchkin who hands Dorothy a lollipop, uh, in uh, in the Wizard of Oz. So he passed away in two thousand eighteen at ninety eight. So good on him. And when he died, he was the last surviving Munchkin from the Wizard of Oz after Ruth Duchini died in uh, in two thousand fourteen. Long life and a long career. Seventy one acting credits with the last one being in 2010 for Dahmer versus Gacy. But he was in the 80s horror film Prophecy with this amazing poster. You remember that poster? And then oh, yeah. uh, Spaceballs, Twilight Zone, Seinfeld, Something Wicked This Way Comes, Under the Rainbow, which I think starred all of, uh, all of the, the quote-unquote little people in Hollywood at that time. The original Planet of the Apes, a ton of TV. He started in The Terror of Tiny Town in 1938, like... Nice. This guy, this guy, what a career. <laughs> and how he shows up here for two seconds in Tron to be the MCP. I'm like, dude, you're incredible. You're fantastic. Oh, okay. So how do, how does that work out with the arms? Is it somebody else's arms? No, I think they're, they might be his arms. They might be somebody else's oh, arms. Oh, no, okay. I can see. I was thinking, I was thinking little person inside of a, a regular size sphinx, but no, it no. would be a scale. Yeah, it would be a scale. So now the thing okay. is, is that this face raises a lot of questions. It's like programs look like their creators, mm-hmm. right? Dillinger says in the beginning of the film that he created the MCP. He says, I wrote you. And the MCP retorts, no one programmer made me. I'm worth millions of their man hours or something like that. But it's also mentioned a few sure. times that a few people remember when the MCP was just a chess program. Like, it's a question we've asked a few times so far. Like, if somebody else tinkered with Tron or Clue, would those programs then resemble a percentage of that new programmer? Yes. Or does the program... This goes back to... Yeah. This goes back to programmers introducing their own personality... No, that's not the right way to say it. Introducing their own... Uh, individual ways of coding into the code. Yeah, but like if, uh, like let's see if RAM, if RAM is, like if RAM, okay, if RAM is, uh, has been tinkered by the MCP, then you'd think RAM's face would look a bit more like the MCP or a bit more like, more like, like I just, well, what I'm trying to get at to you is like, like does the does the program retain the face of their very first programmer? You know, like they seem to get the face of the programmer at the age that the programmer programmed them. Like Jeff Bridges is older in legacy, but Clue is still twenty five or whatever. Sure. So did an older programmer first program the chess program that eventually became the MCP? Is Jerry Marin's face here the face of the first person that made that chess program? Like and then how did the MC, how did the how did the MCP become a guardian and then a master control program? Is this face an amalgam of the thousands of people that worked on the MCP program over the years? I don't know. Like it really sort of. Wow, that's some really good questions. The. It sort of it seems to imply that Dillinger was lying about creating him, if nothing else, which would make sense. Well, I mean, it makes sense because he yeah, lied. Dillinger he, was lying about. He lied. Yeah. He he lied and took credit Flynn's for the programs. games. That, yeah, for the, the games that Flynn made. So I guess it makes sense that he'd be. It, it isn't just that he did some shenanigans with some legal paperwork and said, well, 
you wrote this on our time, so we own them. He actually took credit for writing them. That And that's the personally. difference. Yeah, that's the difference. He wasn't right. like, what you did was illegal. This belongs to the company. I'm going to take that and we're going to use it. He took credit for right. it. That's a huge, right. a big, huge difference. Yeah, he said, I wrote this. And it's like, no, you didn't. <laughs> so that's... Uh, to me, that suggests that that this Guardian, I don't even know. Was it a Guardian program? Wait a minute. Let me think about this. It started off as a chess program. Yeah. It has the and same then, it has the same Sphinx setup as a Guardian does, even though it's a different form. That's the only reason I'm saying it had that. to be. Okay, well, well, let's look at this. Does his Sphinx setup look like a chess piece? I would say no. I can't think of a chess piece that it really resembles. But you could say that a. Uh, yeah, the only thing I, the only thing that would even come close is that sort of ribbon over his head that looks bishopy. Yeah. That would be kind of cool if there was a Sphinx in chess, though. That'd be a cool piece to add. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he starts off as a chess program, and then have you already talked about this in not, any of the other not in depth? Though I've been saving it for these minutes. So he starts off as a chess program, and then somehow he becomes a guardian program. Yeah. It's at that point that Dillinger steals it from the original programmer. Okay. And. And redoes the code because the chess AI is the closest thing he needs to a guardian program that can be self-aware. Okay. That can reason. That has um, the strategy know-how to like, yeah, and to like do what he needs it Dillinger to Dillinger is probably a lot like me. He's not really a programmer. He's just someone who knows how to take other code and put it together. Like, uh, the, I think so his, people so his personality, it, yeah. his personality wouldn't really be infused in the program necessarily. Yeah, okay. The way that it would with other real programmers. Um, yeah, he's just uh, kit kit bashing, I think they call it. In the, kit in bashing the, is a good way to, to say that. Yeah. Um, You know, just using, I don't even remember what those books were called. There were a bunch of books that we used to use <laughs> back in the 90s. Oh, yeah, Where you yeah. just look up code and then type it in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had a big um, a big book of basic. I think mine was just called the big book of basic or something like that. Oh, these were more sort of underground. It was like the, yeah, the yeah. red book, whatever it was. Yeah. So, so his personality. So it would be explained by he never really put his own personality into it. He just stole other code and modified it to do what he needed it to do. Yeah. Which would actually explain why it got out of his control. Because he doesn't really know what he's doing. He just yeah. knows enough. Yeah, it's very Frankenstein-y. Like, he put all this stuff together and he told it to go. Right. And then it went. And it went. Yeah. Right. And it pretended to be his program. But it was never his program. It was never really his program. No. It just became an independent artificial intelligence yeah, very Frankenstein. Possibly, possibly the only real artificial intelligence on the grid. Yeah, well, that's that's the that's the whole thing about the MCP is that he is the one true AI. Everybody else is a program, and he's the one true AI. He has free will. He's like, I'm going to attack the Pentagon. That's what I'm gonna do. You know, like right. the Dillinger isn't saying go attack the Pentagon. He's saying you programmed me to just go out there and infiltrate and do stuff. So. That's what I'm doing. Well, and and he started off as a war simulation program, chess. Yeah, exactly. So he's a master of strategy, one could assume. In the much the same way right. that like 
in the original You'd Star like Trek. You'd like the level 15 chess program. Like in the, <laughs> was it the original Star Trek, the uh, V'ger, right? Like Voy- yep, yep. Voyager gets assimilated by the, the it, whole... It breaks my heart so hard to hear someone calling that the original Star Trek, but yes. <laughs> well, the first Star Trek movie is what I mean. <laughs> You know, and uh, but then so that that this is now a chess program that's been vejured. You know, this program, right. this, this chess program has been like up to uh, like a strategy god and set loose. All of these layers and layers and layers added on to it. Yeah, yeah, which I, I think wow. that's really cool. Another thing that's interesting is well, in the novel, uh, it's just to go a little bit into the because we're kind of close to the end of the minute now, and the difference between the novel is that. Sark's about to deliver a death blow to Tron when all this happens, and he says, "End of line program." And uh, which yep, <laughs> sort of there's a sweet there's a sweet moment where the MCP's face becomes Flynn's face for a second on the cylinder. Oh yeah, I and, was hoping you'd bring that up. Yeah, like that would have been cool to see, but I think that was like way beyond the capabilities at the time. Without just doing a really strange crossfade to a to a, a literal picture of his face. Like, I don't think they could have done, like, a, a CG build well, of... Uh, at of, this point, they're almost just straight-up hand-animating the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's, like... So... Like, 60% of this movie is hand-animated. And it's something right. that, that some of the animators were a little salty about. Because they're, like, this film gets so many props for being the first entirely computer-animated film. And they're, like, wait, 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 hold, 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 da, 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 da. <laughs> There's, there's like we were there's, sometimes there's, taking just the gel itself and drawing on it. There's 13 minutes of pure <laughs> CG in this film, and that's no small feat. But guys, you know the hand, the the, the brute, most of this film is hand animated. So let's just let's just chill out for a second and appreciate that because, like the like the light cycle transformation sequence was all hand animated whenever when the, when they go right. in there. But like that was on the cover well, of, kind all of the all the all the CG animation magazines and stuff. Like anyway, <laughs> that kind of uh, that's something I kind of realized as I was preparing for this minute, and I would pause. It's like this is a cartoon. Yeah, yeah. It's whole. <laughs> We're totally ins- just looking at a cartoon right here. It was its whole inception. Scene after was scene that I pose on, scene after scene that I paused on was just a cartoon. Yeah, it's a Terry Gilliam cartoon with cutouts and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so and then, uh, yeah, Sark gives a Vader-ish, no, as Tron's disc hits home. I'm glad that was cut. I think we could do without right. a, do without villainous nose for a while. That's kind of been played. Uh, yeah, and the novel also describes the MCP housing as a different, as similar to an older version of DeMont's housing and talks about the old yep. man's face, but without any revelations or deeper detail than... Uh, and whatever whatever we want to say about it, so yeah. And then Bit comes back, <laughs> and then Bit comes back. Well, I didn't. I haven't gotten to that part yet. The uh, the movie. Oh, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Keep, uh, sorry, <laughs> that's okay. The movie. Oh, that's right. Uh, oh, that's right. The movie ends Monday. You're gonna have a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> this. Uh, yeah. This. This. This minute ends right on the uh, on the on the on the MCP dying. But um, or escaping, but uh, or escaping, or escaping. But I'm glad to hear the bit comes you know, back. That if, gives me something to look forward to. If he escapes, that makes the next movie Lawnmower Man two. Lawnmower Man two, the best Lawnmower <laughs> Man. 
Oh, man. <laughs> Way better than the first one. Totally underrated. Lawnmower Man 2. It's the aliens of that series. Yeah. God. You have too many strong feelings about that movie. I don't, I don't know if I've ever actually even seen it, but I, I must have back in the day. I definitely, oh, so I definitely saw Lawnmower Man. Based on a Stephen King story that has absolutely nothing to do with the movie. Did you know that the, the, yeah. the, the you know the original Stephen? King? Oh, I, I was so confused when I watched Lawnmower Man. No doubt. I was like, oh yeah, okay. You're like, what? I was like, I kept expecting there to be a scene with a lawnmower, and there wasn't. That's weird. But I was like, okay, how? Because in my mind, I was like, how do you get this guy who eats everything that the lawnmower cuts up? into a, a giant horror story. It has to be just one of those jump scare movies, right? <laughs> yeah. Where just out of the shadows comes the lawnmower and the guy eating everything that it cuts up. And how do you stretch that short story into a 90-minute feature, <laughs> you know? So, and then you're Well, like, oh. he just has to keep ramping that up until, until they up. have the final showdown. That's right. Where I imagine it's like a... Like a, I don't know, like a John Deere rider mower. He has to like mow a football Squaring field off against the push mower. Yeah. <laughs> Lawnmower war. Now you're talking. Now you're talking. That's a movie I want to see. Yeah. With a Zamboni supervillain or something like that. Oh my God. That's awesome. <laughs> well, they did it for the mangler, so. They did know. it for the mangler so they can do it for lawnmowers. Just lawnmowers with an S. Lawnmowers. No, that's, with a Z. With a Z. That's the reboot we need. That's what we need. Right. <laughs> well, okay. I think we're uh, we're up around the minute, uh, the end of minute eighty-seven. Unless you want to get into some other stuff. What do you think? Oh God, there's so much I could go into. Yeah. You know, one of the things I'm dying to talk about, but I can understand if you don't, is what is underneath of the world? What does everyone fall into? What's going on down there? Yeah. Is it lava? Is it light? Like. Obviously, what? it's meant to be a circuit board. I think it's... And obviously, those are meant to be like uh, like how circuit boards work. But what is that all about? I think it's the stored energy of the MCP. Because they're on top of that, like... Uh, oh, what's the name of that rock in Close Encounters of the Third Kind? Devil's Rock? That giant, that giant plinth? Just that giant circular sure. mountain with a flat top? Uh, it's like that. Oh, Devil's Tower you're talking Devil's about. Devil's okay. Tower, thank you. Yeah, it's just like a, it's like a, a, a huge pimple that's filled with all of the energy that the MCP has hoarded. That's the impression I you get. Think it, because so, it's red, it's all hoarded It's all hoarded energy? Yeah, and it's a... F- Interesting. And the, the cracks in the top are like fissures because it's like barely held in check. It is like a... Oh my like God, a, that's like great. A, like a volcano. That's the way I always sort of... and. The, He's sitting on the top of it, and he's like this uh, faucet. The MCP is like this faucet that lets the energy out, but he's just like this uh, this faucet on it, and that's that's his job. Is he's just sort of keeping all that energy in check because he's the one that hands it out. He's the one that's like, nice. okay, you get enough. You know, your one day of energy. Now it's got to last you two weeks. That's how he. Uh, that's how he keeps everything. Now I can't in check. wait to. I can't wait to go to the end of the movie and see if all that stuff turns blue. And also, I can't wait till you get to the episode where they are drinking out of the thing and getting more energy. Yeah. I can't wait to hear that one. That's a really that's good, be a nice discussion. that was such a fun trio of minutes. Jeez, that's a good scene. <laughs> that And that's nice. another one that's like, 
the questions, the questions, the questions, you know, <laughs> like, like, what does this mean? What does it mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's all I got. That's I, all, I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm holding back. We we could go on for a couple more hours. But... No, I hear you. This is going to be a real trip to edit because we're uh, each each episode's been <laughs> just over an hour. So it's just, <laughs> so we'll see how we'll see. How yeah, that kind of happens when I'm on a, when I'm a guest. Yeah, but it's all good stuff. It's all good stuff. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I guess now that we're coming up on the end of the minute, uh, do you want to tell us where people can find you if they want to hear more of you? Yes. Uh, let's talk about my movies by minute stuff. I'm doing. Uh, Jason and I are both in the middle of still recording the Better Off Dead minute. Awesome. Which we have been doing for three years. We're putting out one episode every quarter, whether we need to or not, just oh for tax gosh. purposes. <laughs> no, we're we're actually uh, a couple of episodes away from being completely done. Now it's just about me editing and getting it out. Okay. We cool. did seriously start though in in the second wave in 2017. Okay. Um, so it really has taken a long time and, and they've given up on us a couple of times. The database has shown uh, inactive. Okay. <laughs> and whenever I see that, I put one out. It's like, ah, oh, yeah, Eric. Yeah. Okay. 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 Uh, I'm, I own the, I, I'm currently putting together a crew to do the clue minute. Awesome. And I own the domain for the necromancer. Do I have that right? To For a Neuromancer Minute, which is not a movie. It's no, a book. It's a Doing great the audio book one minute at a time. You're going to do the audio book of Neuromancer one minute at a time. All 237 minutes. Fantastic. That's awesome. That's one <laughs> of my favorites. Neuromancer in particular was just so life-changing to the way that I think. For sure. 100%. Total yeah. agreement. All right, well, if you want to get in touch with us, check out more at tronologicallyspeaking.com. Drop us a line on Twitter at tronologicallyspeaking. Send us an email at tronologicallyspeaking at gmail.com or join us on Facebook at the Tronologically Speaking Minute-by-Minute Listeners page. Uh, shout out to pond5.com for the music. Go there for all your music needs. And special thanks to the Star Wars Minute that started it all. Go on over to moviesbyminutes.com and see if your favorite movie is there. And if it isn't, fire it up. Do it yourself. It's a lot of great content waiting for you to create. It's a very inclusive and encouraging community in my experience. Um, so do you want to try a little final end of line? And Curtis, I got to say, it's been fantastic having you on the show. You are just a wonderful, you've been a wonderful guest co-host and it's been great, great talking to you. Oh yeah. Well, it's, oh God, I can't even, I can't even say enough. Like you, you, yes. And very well. <laughs> oh, good. Excellent. Thank you. That's a, that's high praise. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Are we gonna Are we gonna end the line? Yeah, let's do a little a uh, little final end of line on three. Are you ready? I'm gonna give it a shot. Okay. okay so wait, before we do this, yeah. I have to because I'm a little confused. Are we trying to do it at the same time? We we're we're, we're trying to give it a shot. Like taking lag into account, we're trying to give it a shot. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. Okay. Well, I'm ready. I'm not gonna laugh. Okay. Cool. All right. Okay. One, two. Three. End of line. Oh my gosh, we nailed it. That was perfect.